Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. episode 152 this is slam fire radio and the today's date is april 21st uh i am one of your hosts adriel michaud i am the more elegant one trevor Furlot. you uh, really stumbled that's all i'm saying sorry kelly you you missed out on calling him out because he said no he didn't did he really mm-hmm. no no i don't think he did mm-hmm. no i we'll make up my list back. okay uh, well I'm anyways just- i'm kelly hi kelly and i like to add Aunt. <laughs> you're very elegant Eloquent? Did I say eloquent? <laughs> I'm quite sure it's pronounced eloquent. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Well, Trevor, you said you're surrounded by guns, so why don't you start off and tell us what you've done in guns this week? I am. It's heavenly. Well, the most recent thing I did was after work today, I went over to set up the gun club's booth at the um, at the local arena where the promotion plus. Uh, trade and convention show will take place. We've been attending the trade show now. This will be our fourth year, I believe. And, um, yeah, record time, 30 minutes. Just me and one other person. Um, when you set up the uh, kiosk as many times as I do, you eventually figure out how to do it with your eyes closed. So it went well. And, um, then I came home and, and, um, struggled trying to figure out which guns I'm going to take tomorrow because the uh, CFO's office gave me an, a blanket ATT for all of my restricteds, right? Wow. So, yeah, there's only so much room in the case, and apparently I'm not supposed to hog the case. So, I don't know. I'm looking at the Glock 19, the CZ Shadow, the HK SFP9, 10 Foglio Limited Custom, and, of course, the Model 29, which I really don't want to take out of the house because if anything happens, I'll lose my mind, but it's a nice gun to have on display. Oh, and I'm also going to take the uh, Lee Enfield Jungle Carbine. So, and I guess Muffin will take his uh, Mark 18. So, anyway, the reason why I bring this up is uh, the um, one of the organizers of the show uh, walked us to where our booth was. He goes, Rescue's Gun Club, you guys are right over here. Come with me. So we go over, and I start, uh, I've got an arm load full of stuff, and I'm putting things down. And all of a sudden, the gentleman says, uh, hold on, guys, I think there's a mistake. Oh, it says, Why? like, see the sign, Rescue's Gun Club, Booth 87, uh, what 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 seems to be the problem? She's got you right next to mental health. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, don't don't you think that's in poor taste to have the gun club next to mental health? No. What's, what's the issue? He goes, well, you're not supposed to be giving guns to mental people. I said, we won't be. And I thought, I'm going to have fun with this guy. <laughs> I'm like, look, man, if they got a license, I'll give them any gun they want. If the government says they're sane, that's good enough for me, and we all know the government doesn't make mistakes. He just like, oh, we, we walked away. So anyway, it'll be interesting. I, I really, This is not uh, Ottawa. I don't predict. Uh, I don't anticipate any issues tomorrow. and I, I can't see the folks at Mental Health going, we will not be placed next to guns. So... But that being said, I was thinking about bringing my TAC-21 and putting it on the table. I'll make sure that the muzzle is not pointed in their direction. So, Good plan. Yeah. Um, 
what else? I bought and sold a shotgun, and this is a new record for me. Um, Chris Anderson's going to love this one. Chris, I sold it while it was in the mail. I haven't even received it yet, and it's already gone. And it's totally Adriel's fault. We're, we're, I'm driving home. What day was this, Adriel? Friday last week? Yeah, Friday. Yeah. So Adriel sent a Facebook message to us with a link to Wholesale Sports that has a semi-automatic shotgun on for 50% off uh, with, a, with a question mark like, is this a mistake? So I'm <laughs> never done this before. I bought a shotgun off my phone while driving. Well, mostly while driving. I eventually realized it would be a good idea to pull the car over. And uh, so that's what I did. I pulled the car over to the side of the road and on my telephone registered with Wholesale Sports, created an account, placed the order, ordered the shotgun, got back on the road. And by the time I got to the exit, I went, that wasn't smart. Buyer's remorse? What's that? Yeah, buyer's, big, big buyer's time buyer's remorse. Yeah. It's only 250 bucks. Uh, no, by the time I get it and pay New Brunswick tax, it's $299.44. It's still, like, I mean, I, the Archery Provincials were this weekend, and I missed them because I'm, like, trying to save money and get caught up uh, on bills and stuff so that I've got spending money when I go to Ontario. So I stay home where I would have spent, you know, eh, hotel, meals, gas, whatever. I would have spent three, 350 bucks, no problem. So I don't go to save the money and then drop it on a Turkish shotgun. Anyway. Lucky for me, uh, Mark at the Gun Club, he I put him onto it, and he doesn't have a. I don't even know if he's got a pump yet. So he he plays in three gun with us once in a while, and he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get one. I'm like, don't, I'll sell you mine. So we've even actually tried to reroute the um, delivery so it goes to his house on Monday and not mine. Cool. But can't do it because it's gun and it's signed for and stuff. So anyway, and then on Saturday, Saturday, no Monday, Monday after work. I went to the, um, well, I was actually on the range. Yeah, I was on the range on Saturday. Muffin and I went to check out the condition of the range because there's some things that we usually put away for the winter, and we didn't, and we were having a great winter until we weren't, and then it was an awful winter. So we were pretty concerned that some roofs had collapsed on some of the structures back there. Like there's the there's the two-story house stage, mm-hmm. and um, we had a good idea of taking the, the um snow fence type material that usually is used for the walls on the second floor we took that off to give the snow a chance to blow off because otherwise the weight would all stay there and um, Ronnie DeGroote God bless his soul, he used to go to the gun club a couple of times he, uh, throughout the winter and shovel those things off wow. and, yeah, and of course nobody else is going to do that, nobody's quite that smart so we were wondering what we were going to fall, what we were going to uh, find and we were very lucky, transport stage this is probably going to be the last year for two of those trailers. The roofs are in bad shape. One of them is metal, and the uh, actual metal ribs on the roof are, um, you know, uh, bent in, collapsed, whatever. Boeing? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? I couldn't think of the word bow. Um, the other trailer was reinforced with um, poles, logs, and um, studs going across the ceiling, and um, it's come down in one spot. Not a huge deal. And the stage that was a space shuttle last year is going to be a subway car this year for SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And the front part that was the cockpit for the shuttle kind of collapsed, but also really not a big deal. So pretty lucky. And we went back there to get a wall, one of the walls that we use when we build our stages, because we're looking at my stage designs. After I design them, then I make a materials list to find out you know, how many fault lines I need, how many walls I need, how many feet I need, and then I break it down per stage. So if you're there to help me that day, Kelly, and I'm going to go, okay, we're going to build stage number one. So I'll give you the list and say, go to the trailer and get me 10 walls and 20 feet and uh, 14 targets 
target stands and 28 uprights and you know and so you don't travel back and forth for nothing you don't waste time so i plan it out on that anal so um i figure we need 30 new walls i mean we built all new walls in 2013 for the nationals and we built a lot but some pretty big stages this year we're doing 18 stages 340 to 348 rounds and um so we went there to pick up a wall and we left the wall because we're smart like that so, but anyway, Monday we went shooting. Um, Snuffleupagus and I, he got a cool M305 in a black feather chassis made in M14.ca. It's a chassis system made in Canada for the Norinco M14 or the Norinco M305. And the handguard on top is a one piece Troy. What a beautiful rig. I mean, it's heavy. It's, you're not going to run and gun with it, but it's still, it's still really cool. Uh, it makes for a nice tactical looking bench rest semi auto 308. Really cool. Um, and what else? We also shot his Mark 18, which used to be mine, his NEA 7, his NEA 7.62 by 39, which used to be mine. Um, and I had my attack 21 there, but the condition of the snow, was so soft and so soupy that you were even sinking with snowshoes and falling on your face and stuff. So I wasn't really going out and putting targets up to do any accuracy testing. I just shot at the gong for a while. And then um, I bought some some brass prep tools came in. I'm really trying to produce very high-quality, consistent ammunition, and a lot of that has to do with how you prep your brass. Mm -hmm. So I bought primer pocket uniforming tools, um, primer flash hole deburring tools. Well, I bought one that's adjustable and will do handgun ammo and all kinds of different rifle calibers. And then I bought this small and large primer pocket uniform tools. So I've been uh, going the extra mile with my brass. The only thing I need to do now is get a neck turner. So a neck turner is kind of like a lathe that trues up the neck of the uh, case to ensure that you get consistent pressure around the bullet when you uh, seat the bullet. And I was going to get that next until my case trimmer died last night. I've got a very old Lyman bench top hand trimmer. You you uh, chuck up the case and you crank the trimmer with your hand, and it wasn't staying set. I was trimming the 308 brass to two inches, and every once in a while it would become unadjusted. It would loosen up, whatever, and that'd be fine if it was not trimming the cases short enough, but what it was doing was actually going shorter than two inches. So that's a pain in the butt when you're trying to keep everything the same. I mean, you can always take more off, but once it's off, you can't put it back on. The brass might stretch because it didn't go a whole pile short, but anyway. Um, so yeah, that wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna fly with me, so I ordered the, uh, Wilson trimmer it's touted to be the most accurate brass trimmer in the world um i got it from sinclair the company that is through brownells uh they've got a couple of different options the first option i looked at was going to come to like 350 bucks and i was like even i have my limits of stupidity (laughs) i'm not going to spend 350 dollars in a case trimmer for precision rifle that i plank with i mean yeah i want to make good brad good ammo so anyway, I bought the two hundred and fifty dollar trimmer. So, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah, whatever. It is. It's OCD. That's another shotgun. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. How about uh, you, Adriel? 
Uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a busy week. Um, on Saturday, I had a three gun match and it went pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we do? We had one stage that was rifle, pistol, shotgun, and shotgun slug. And, uh, that's, that's a lot of fun because it, com- it combined everything. And if any one of those fell down on you, you really turned in a poor time. Um, I, I mean, if, if we, we were doing rifle standing on a six inch target at a hundred meters. Which is tough, uh, you know, especially when you're under the stress of, of shooting. So you did that standing and you had to do like a, I think four or five targets, uh, the six inch one being the smallest. And then you had to go prone on this wobbly, uh, platform thing. Did it, sorry, Adriel, did it stipulate this must be engaged standing? This must be engaged prone? Yes. yes. Uh, I hate matches like that. Yeah. See, uh, in Ipsic, it's freestyle. If you want to gotta go prone, you have to compel him to go prone through stage design. We only recently got permission to say you're going to do this weekend. You're going to do this stronghand. Uh, I think part of figuring out a easier way to shoot the stage is a skill in itself. And if you force a guy to stand when maybe you know there was an opportunity there to brace yourself, and I would have thought of it, but you didn't think of it, would have you know kind of part of the game for me but anyway so when we do three gun matches we kind of the match directors who plan for ipsic that plan three gun they they often tend to carry that freestyle portion over we don't dictate things like that we're not good enough at stage design to be designing stages there you know what would happen is that they would our stage designs would be full of holes and uh, people would be um gaming them gaming them yeah yeah was was it hard was it a wobble board almost that you had to stand on? No, I don't know what it's. You didn't have to stand on that one. You went prone on that one. But oh, okay. a, imagine like a a four by eight sheet of plywood that on the corners is suspended by chains. Hey. So when you get on it, it's it's it moves around, and as like as you fire, it moves. So if you if you fire, yeah. it'll go back to front. If you reload, it starts swaying side to side. Yeah, um, very yeah, cool. Yeah, you shouldn't be standing on that. <laughs> No, no, that might be a safety concern. Well, yeah. give, give me an example of gaming, Adriel. We had a swing once. You were in a like a like a like a like a bench swing, like your grandparents have on their front mm-hmm. porch, right? So they put you in the seat and they brought the seat back and they locked it back. And on the signal, you let go of the handle, and that would allow and that would cause the swing to start swinging. Mm-hmm. Well, Muffin, being the size that he is. When the timer went, he put his foot on a on a piece of the structure, let go of the handle like he was told. The swing never moved, and he shot his stage. <laughs> Nowhere did it say that the swing had, had to swing. To yeah. All it said was you had yeah. to leave go of the handle. So when you get yeah. guys that don't think of that stuff, and then they they shoot before you, and they see you do this, they get pretty ugly because yeah. they didn't think of it, right? And they totally would have did it. And then everybody else is like, oh, I am so doing that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. We're we're not there yet. We're we're a pretty young uh, organization. Like Chaz Three Gun hasn't been running that long, and it's not like we have some some really good Ipsic stage designers or anything like that. So well, you we just, eliminate a lot of BS when you say everybody's going to stand for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that was a rifle. Uh, pistol was pretty standard. I don't remember anything too crazy about it. Uh, shotgun. We're we're we made these rooms. So you had to go room to room and then uh, fire a couple slugs at. Uh, Oh, I think it was about 50 meters offhand, which isn't that bad. But you know, again, some people can, some people can shoot a slug and some people can't. So it was, uh, it was a nice tight stage for, uh, uh, 
being able to run all three of your guns and uh, and run them effectively. Uh, and then we had a, a couple of shotgun stages that were uh, really interesting. So one of the one of the guys um, designed a pretty cool one where you had to go prone underneath this uh, uh, barrier and shoot uh, uh, Texas Star, only being able to see like the bottom third of the Texas Star. So you had to get the thing spinning. So you knock off a couple plates, wait for it to spin, and you kind of you kind of only get a, like an exposure of a plate as it goes swinging by, right? So that was interesting because. Again, some people like some people have have gotten good at shooting it standing, but uh, throw it into prone and it goes things go sideways, and then reload a shotgun from prone. Right? That's that's tough too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we had a shootout. I went to the semifinals. The guy who beat me last time beat me again. He's he's a good shooter though, so I don't I don't mind that too much. Uh, we had a ri- couple. Sorry, how was much rifle this time? Good. It was good. Yeah, sighted in, and it it didn't fail me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was really happy with with what I did. We had a couple of uh, I don't know if you consider them pro because I don't know that there is a pro league for uh, three gun in Canada, but they're sponsored at least. Um, so we had three sponsored shooters from Saskatchewan come out and just d- destroy everyone uh, on the range for their times. Um, so obviously I didn't beat them, but uh, in in terms of the people who usually shoot at my club, um, I did pretty good. So yeah, I'm happy about that. Cool. Yeah. Um, like you, I, yeah, I bought one of those, I, I bought two partises cause my buddy said, Hey, I want to buy one of these. So I said, oh, I'll just buy two. And then when you see me next, we'll just grab it. Oh, cool. um, so I've got two of those at my house. This is the Partis SL. Now <laughs> the pictures that wholesale sports has on their website are not the pictures of the shotgun you're going to receive. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah. The Partis SL, the, the picture that wholesale sports is showing has an extension tube on it this semi-auto shotgun that you will receive does not have a, an extension tube on it there's an ss that they have the part is ss and uh it shows it having a stock and i've i, I was watching on reddit and i noticed a lot of people are getting these and they have a, a, a pistol grip and not a pistol grip with the back stock part just the pistol grip <laughs> okay yeah so a hunting um, shotgun with semi-automatic shotgun with a 28 inch barrel and a pistol grip uh yeah so um I don't know I I I can't confirm whether it was a 28 inch barrel on those ones but it was a semi-automatic three inch shotgun with a, a pistol grip um back to this one so I mean like the description sucks too right the descriptions on a wholesale sports uh if you read them they're like it comes with a fixed choke okay so non removable adjustable okay it's adjustable uh, <laughs> modified uh, is it modified or non adjustable or or cylinder it said cylinder bore in there too it just everything so the, the description sucked um, when I actually got the shotgun, it wasn't all that bad it, said it has uh, three chokes uh, modified improved cylinder and full um, it's got kind of a crappy front sight you know it's it's not like a, a real nice fiber optic that gathers a lot of light and is a little bit more clear it's a little bit more opaque almost like a plastic instead of a fiber optic yeah I was going to say it's just an orange piece of plastic more than anything else yeah yeah uh, the stock the rear stock's kind of plasticky and the you know the fit on the, the plastic to receiver isn't all that great um, I haven't tested it for reliability yet so I can't comment on whether or not it would be a good three gun shotgun there's a couple of things you'd have to do one of the things is to be to an extension on it it takes five in the tube but it'd be nice to get six in there um, the problem being uh, that the tube, the magazine tube itself, is crimped at the end. So you imagine like a crimp on a uh, a lead round, like a 38 Special or a 357 or something like that. They had that roll crimp. And so that would have to be pulled out somehow. You might have to uh, either cut it out or bend it out 
uh, before you could get an extension tube on there. Uh, the extension tube threads I found were the same as my Stoger 3500, which is the same as the Benelli Supernova. So um, there are there would be extension tubes out there that you could add on, um, but otherwise you'd be stuck with five rounds. It also uh, will not ghost load, so I, I did manage to try that out um, just with some dummy rounds, and uh, so it won't ghost load. It takes uh, five in the tube, one in the chamber, so you know you're you're at a little bit of a disadvantage to the guys running the three and a halfs that they can ghost load. Um, but it's, but it's 250 bucks, right? Or, or, you know, the 299, if you, if you're mailing it to New Brunswick and you got to pay tax for it and everything. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the, uh, the Paratus SS right now uh-huh. and it's 225. Yeah. It's cheaper, uh-huh. but it's got the spring on the front. And if you order that one, you may get one that's got a pistol grip and not a rear stock. Wow. See, but I, so- I, I see what you're saying about the, uh. The MagTube extension. I didn't even notice that on my telephone. <laughs> That's too bad. Be, yeah, yeah. I wonder, well, there's a picture of a Prez SL with a MagTube extension on it. So what's that tell you? Somewhere, somebody is making one. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, it uses the, uh, like like pretty much all the Turkish shotguns that are, that are coming to market these days, they all use the Benelli uh, mobile choke system. Which is good because, you know, we'll have a, a whole pile of chokes to, to choose from, inexpensive chokes to choose from. Um, it's really light on the forend and really trim on the forend because it's not trying to hide a, a recoil spring underneath that forearm. Uh, really light on the front. And uh, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll we'll see when uh, when we take it out. Now, Trevor, when you guys were watching the live cast and you are watching me struggle trying to get that charging handle out, there is no trick to that. There's no trick to it. Like I was trying to push on the bolt head, I was trying this, I was trying that. There's not, it doesn't do anything. There's a detent in there, mm-hmm. and that detent's in there, and that's that's it. So it's just got to be yanked out. So oh, it's uh, just so funny when I said lock it to the back and try it. <laughs> you locked it to the back, and it came right out. Like oh, that yep. was. But yep. now it comes out anywhere. Um, let's see here. It goes out there. Get in there. No, no, it won't go in. This is no. great oh, radio. It goes. It's glass. <laughs> It was great video too when we were watching him on YouTube. <laughs> it, it, it was. It was quite entertaining, part, actually. Yeah, except for the parts where he would stand up and all we could see was a crotch. I was not. That's true. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. Well, well, was, oh, yeah. So I did, we didn't mention there. We I, I live casted that or YouTube streamed it or whatever. Now, yeah, the breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. If you listen to this podcast like more than one week after uh, it, it's been sent out there, don't bother going to that because I'll uh, I'll get a better review with you know close ups the to the parts that matter and all that kind of thing. But because the wholesale sports is selling these right now, I wanted to get there's nothing there is nothing out there for reviews on these shotguns. I wanted to get something out there so that mm-hmm. if people were on the fence, they could look at it and say, okay, well, it kind of looks cheap here and there, but I want it for X, and, and they can make their own decision, right? I'm I'm still on Wholesale Sports website, and I'm looking at the price of the Versamax that I have, uh-huh. and if I had to buy it today, I couldn't afford it. It's $400 more than I paid. They're, yeah, the price on those things really went up. My buddy was looking at one uh, six months ago or so, and they were $850. Um, for the, but yeah, what yeah, are they going for, the, for now? Twelve hundred, thirteen hundred? Well, mine's seventeen. The <laughs> uh, the sportsman that was like the eight hundred, nine hundred dollar one is now twelve fifty, and then the synthetic one, uh, Versa Max Versa Max synthetic. It has the Hogue overlay on the stocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that one is the one that's jumped up to sixteen ninety nine. 
Right. So, you know, what was funny um, at this three gun match, there were three guys that were all brand new to it and they all were running Versamaxes and none of them were reliable. Mm. I don't really? I, like I think it was their maybe their target loads. Maybe they haven't shot them enough. Maybe I don't know. But they were straight pull shotguns the whole match. And it was it was frustrating as heck probably for them um, because they had to continually uh, run their bolts. Um, but, uh, it, it was frustrating to watch too, because they're running a straight pull shotgun. You know, we've got a couple of targets where you hit some, like a steel flipper and it, it flips a, a clay pigeon up Yep. and you need to reload quickly for those. And they, they got nailed on, on like all of those. And it was, you know, boy, frustrating for them. With my verse max, I've noticed, um, three things. Well, I've had three things occur, uh, because the lifter is welded. The front of the lifter originally has a channel on it to center the shell and make sure it goes into the chamber in the center. When I when I had my lifter welded, that would allow the shell to kind of dance left and right on the lifter, and every once in a while it would hit the side of the chamber. There's a couple of solutions. Apparently, you can um, twist your lifter, but I didn't feel like taking my trigger group apart and removing the lifter. Uh, the other option is uh, or fix is to radius the side of the chamber so i did i took a dremel and i took off just ever so slightly a little bit mm-hmm. and the failure to feed because the shell's dancing on the lifter problem went away the other issue i had was um the lifter just not lifting the shell up the tolerance in the receiver is quite tight and if you've got cheap ammunition with an aluminum um Base on it? Base, yeah. It drags on the receiver and actually gets stuck. So that lifter either needs a stiffer spring or you need to use some premium ammo. It's only happened once, uh, maybe twice. Happened in a match once and maybe once in practice. And other than that, if it's dirty, you're going to have reliability issues. And the way the gas system is made and shotgun ammunition is dirty, it has to be kept clean. So maybe Mm -hmm. their shotguns were dirty. It's got these two pistons. There are vent holes in the chamber and the gas bleeds out right there onto these two pistons which go back and push on the bolt it's a very simple very cool design um, allows you to run everything from a two and a half inch to a three and a half inch even a three inch magnum um, but it's got to be kept clean mm-hmm. so yeah yeah it might have been that they were dirty they were um, trying to run I, I noticed one of the guys was running seven eighths ounce target loads Mm. And that's probably that's that's underpowered, right? That the mm-hmm. typical load should be like an ounce or an ounce and an eighth, kind of a thing. So, yeah, yeah. And there, uh, there was a there was a listener there as well, um, and he sh- he shot and he he had uh, issues with uh, uh, his AR sight mount uh, got loose on him and uh, started he he was shooting all over the place with it after that, and then his uh, shotgun jammed on like jammed hard on uh, I think his second shot. So. Yeah, he's having, he's having issues out there. I think he might have left early, and, and if you're listening right now, you should have just stuck around. I would have just lent you a shotgun and an AR, and you could have just ran your own ammo in it, right? Mm. But Yeah, sometimes when two guns go down, hey, you, yeah. Yeah, I've had enough. I just want to go home. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, I've, I've had <laughs> I've had those days. Mm. Um, and just, uh, just earlier today, I ran a, a YouTube hangout on the Partis S. So uh, someone else from Reddit ended up – this is the over-under. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else from Reddit ended up getting one of those and uh, and offered to live stream it. So we just did like a, a Google Hangout on air. So it, it was me and him talking on Hangouts, and then we just streamed it to the YouTube uh, afterwards. So 
Um, that was really interesting as well. You know, uh, again, fit and finish on there is, is, um, not fantastic. They've got a couple of, he had a couple of chips taken out in, in small places, but the, the, um, the finish on the wood was really nice. The receiver is really nice and the action was, was actually quite smooth on it. So, uh, you know, for, uh, uh, for an over under, it was, it was really inexpensive and I don't know, might, I might end up doing those more often cause it's kind of fun just to, to, um, shoot the breeze with, with a couple of people and, and show on video, like uh, a couple of guns and that kind of thing. Maybe we could do some of those. We should be doing some of those. Well, no, like I'm, I'm actually testing out a couple of different platforms. Like I didn't, I don't have to do a YouTube streaming thing, but I, I kind of wanted to just to, to try it out and, and learn more about it. Um, but, uh, it yeah. was quite, it was quite fun. I just, we got to, ha- we got to heckle you as you were We did, didn't we heckle him? It was fantastic. And some of the listeners were like, Oh, the whole Slamfire crew is here. Yeah. And yeah. I was actually trolling you so bad that every once in a while it would say, You've made too many comments. You're now in timeout. And it would put me in, in internet timeout. And the clock would tick down. And it would say, You can comment again in five, four. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, looking back, I, I probably should have had some more tools handy because I've got like a really nice soft. Dude, mouth. all you need is vice grips. <laughs> I have vice grips. I didn't want to use vice grips on my on my shotgun though. At one point, Charlie said, "I will overnight you a pair of vice grips." <laughs> <laughs> I just sat sitting right next to me, but uh, no, maybe we can do some of those in the future because it would be a really quick way to do a show too, right? Mm-hmm. Do one video and and extract the audio and pump it out into the podcast portion of it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. The wheels are turning. The wheels are turning. We'll have to try that next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, what were you up to? I didn't do much. <laughs> Not this week. I didn't even get to the rink. I had family commitments on the weekend. So the only thing that really happened was I got my CSSA membership in the mail. I'm still waiting for the CFFR, but apparently they're being shipped out. So everybody that signed up at the Sportsman Show, they're going to be getting... Oh, yeah, they're dealing with that backlog. Yeah, they got a backlog. And that, I got my cheek riser in for uh, my 1022. Uh, the cheek riser that I had before, medium one, but it was in flat darker. Some black ones did out, so it's now altly black. Sweet. Yeah. And uh, not last week, or sorry, not last week, obviously shot the core target. I was hoping to get that sticker. That would finish out my ticket to all seeds, Apple stock. Okay, apparently I haven't been keeping up with what's going on. What are you talking about, Sierra? What now? Sierra 64, so they're on Facebook. It's somebody uh, who is out in your neck of the wood, Adriel, out near uh, either Edmonton or Calgary. Uh, and it's somebody that actually, uh, hmm, he was on Modern Rifleman Radio the other, the other day. Oh, that guy. That yeah, guy's amazing. Ben? Oh yeah, so he uh, he was uh, yeah JTF I think at one point. Yeah. Uh, he is also a medic and he's uh, trained with some amazing people. Yes. He, he, he's all about yeah. the mental training and the he was he knows all the same authors that well he he made mention to with winning in mind with Lenny Basham which was awesome. I love hearing guys <laughs> that are at that level both performance wise and training wise making mm-hmm. mention of that book. Um, he also talked about somebody that was um, used to be stationed in Gagetown. Mm-hmm. And, of course, because I have to remember his name, I can't. Um, so it's kind of pointless. But uh, this is a guy who shot Ipsic here um, when I started and phenomenal shooter. And the guy was in amazing shape for somebody who was like 50 years old. Um, and this guy was a Queens medalist winner. And to watch this guy run a gun, 
And he's like, yeah, uh, Chris Costa showed me this cool thing. Come here, I'll show it to you. Oh, Chris Costa, what? <laughs> You're going to show me something that Chris Costa showed you personally? Yes, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't yeah. remember his name. That's embarrassing. So he has a challenge out right now that if you go into Facebook, you can actually download his target and go and shoot it. So uh, if it's a pistol, you can do it at seven. Uh, it's um, a rifle at 100 meters and just send it to him and he'll send you uh, one of the stickers that he, he used to use it. He put it on his rifle, even Afghan as well, and a couple of other guys were doing it too, just to show, you know. That he's and not so yeah a bunch of people have been shooting to get in so he said he was going to send me um, Sierra sixty four Sierra sixty four the other thing that I found really interesting well you mentioned it was the whole mental game and uh, yeah Brian Brian mentioned it as well uh, shootings you know probably about ninety five percent mental and I knew that too. Um, because of my rifleman patch, it was 95% mental, and the 5%, well, you have to practice that, too. So I've decided to set something up so that I can um, achieve something with shooting a pistol. Get really good at it, but I'm going to actually do the mental side of it. You know, you know, get fit, get, uh, you know, get some training into me first with building the fundamentals and making sure that those are good. And then I'll start doing the things I do with action pistols, so whether it's... Well, I wouldn't call CQB pistol action, but... You know. Well, hey, you know, it's a little bit more action than... Then... 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 then Standing in the pistol house, said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a bit more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a bit more action than um, uh, PP, PPC. Yeah. yeah. So you got LDPL up there too, which is Ontario's version of IDPA. Yeah. It's not quite as fun, in my opinion, as IPSC. I haven't done both, and I definitely prefer IPSC because there's more freedom. But uh, I'm seeing it. these. Yeah, I'm seeing these targets posted um, by some familiar names. Uh, yeah, everybody, Rick, um, Rick, uh, one of the guys, Rick from Maple Seed, mm-hmm. uh, he's posted one, uh, Thomas Brandt from Outnid one. Yeah, I'm looking at his right now. Brian posted one, Kevin posted mm-hmm. one. So everybody's been posting it, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Trevor, if you're on the Facebook page right now, could you just copy that into the show notes and I'll add it to the uh, uh, podcast when I publish? Will do. Awesome. So, yeah, start preparing mentally for things and also practice. I have to actually – remember I was telling you that uh, I put in my car one of the grip strengtheners? Mm-hmm. I have to go up to the next model. Wow. Yeah, it's working really well. And my weak hand, it's – We don't have easy. weak hands. We have strong hands and support hands. Well, okay, fine. My support <laughs> hand, my support hand, which yes. wasn't so great. Yeah, so I'm able to do 45 pounds on my my support hand. So I have to go up to the next one. So amazing. That's, yep, it works. It was a great tip by Pat Harris. And that's it. That's all I did. Nothing. Awesome. Let's get on to the uh, upcoming events here. Uh, the first one we've got is the first annual Ronnie DeGroot Rock Out with Your Glock Out Steel Challenge. That'll be on June 4th, 2016. Uh, Kelly, did you want to just update us on the charity shoot? Sure. So the charity shoot is going to be taking place uh, in Brockville, Ontario, at the Brockville District Fish and Game Club, Game Club on June 25th. Uh, the it's going to be supporting a soldier on. We've been talking about it quite a bit. Right now, it is we're close to 50 people signed up. We're closing out free T-shirt aspect of things as of May 1st. So if you it's 10 days away, so if you register before May 1st, you'll get not only entered into the door prize for the USCON 41, but you'll also get a free as well. So sign up before then. And also, if anybody's coming from out of province, just make sure you sign up with enough time that you get your personalized invite as well, because you do have to get an AT. Oh, yeah, I gotta get that done. Um, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. before we move on, can we go back to the steel challenge? I have an update for the listeners on that. Yeah. Um, for in just case someone was who if, if people interested in coming, the um, course of fire has been uh, published. We're going to do um, a steel challenge match. Now I don't think there are eight stages in an actual steel challenge match. I don't think my club has enough steel to do all eight. So we're going to do four. We're going to do um, the four that have only one box. There's a couple in there that have two shooting boxes. And it's just simpler if we have one box. It's just especially for the arrows with regards to penalties if they shoot things out of order or move when they're not supposed to. So there are going to be six. The steel challenge matches one event, and there'll be uh, first, second, and third prizes for the different divisions in that event itself. So we're going to do iron sights because traditionally there's no such thing as power factor in a steel match. The standard guys will be lumped in with the production guys. So we're going to do iron sights open and revolver. Um, I suppose I could let a a rimfire into that, but I haven't ordered awards for that. But rimfire for the other stages. uh, No, actually we couldn't because, sorry, there's going to be six stages. Four stages are going to be right out of the Steel Challenge. You can go on to the Steel Challenge website and look at what they are. I don't know which four they are off the top of my head. I have selected them. I just didn't write the names down. So there's going to be four Steel Challenge stages and then a plate rack stage. And like the Steel Challenge stages, it'll be the best four to five runs. Now, this is kind of time-consuming because you have to go set it up after every run. Um, what's cool about Steel Challenge is there's no targets to patch and there's no steel to reset. But we are going to run a plate rack stage, and we are going to run a Texas Star stage. So those will burn up some time. So your squad will either start on the Texas Star or start on the plate rack or start on stage one of whatever of the four that we take for the Steel Challenge. So the total time from all six stages will determine the winner of that portion of the match. Next, we have man versus man on a plate rack with single elimination. So we'll put everybody's name. This is random, completely random. doesn't matter what gun you have. This is a fundraiser. It's for fun. It's not the Olympics. I don't want to hear about it if you get put up against an open guy. Tip it. So <laughs> a man Sorry, versus no, it's fine. <laughs> the way a man versus man on a plate rack works is each shooter has a five, rack, a five plate plate rack and a popper. And the poppers have tabs on them that will show you who won based on whose tab is on top and whose tab is on the bottom. So there's welded tabs on the side of the plate racks, or the poppers, rather. So there's a mandatory reload somewhere in there. After the beep, you can make your reload right away, or you can shoot your five plates, then do a reload, then shoot your popper, as long as there's a reload done um, somewhere in there before you get to the popper. Um, Next will be man versus man on a dueling tree. Also single elimination. The winner of that is uh, the winner after 10 rounds will be the person with the least amount of plates on their side. So it sucks to be a revolver shooter who goes up against an open guy. That's that's how it is. I might let the revolver shooters, all both of them, shoot off against each other, whatever. But um, that's how the dueling tree will be. The person with the least amount of plates left on their side of the tree after 10 rounds wins and moves on. That's it. That's what we're going to do. Um, it'll, it may not sound like a lot on paper, but it'll be a full day of shooting, no question. Awesome. It sounds yeah. like it's going to be fun. And if you put the two revolver guys up against each other, one will win, one will lose, but that revolver guy will still have to go up against somebody not who's not shooting. That's you know what? Tr- yeah. You're going to have to eventually shoot against somebody 
else. Yep. So Anyways. it is oh. what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one we've got here is, is the Got Your Six. It's a Wounded Warrior charity shoot. It's being held at the Edson Fish and Game One Mile Range in Alberta. Uh, it's from July 16th to 17th. You can go to gotyoursixshoot.com for more information. But keep in mind that it is full, so there's a you're you, you're going on a waiting list if you uh, get in there. I also, so Ben is giving away, he's going to be at that, and he's sponsoring it, I guess, and he's giving away lessons, so that as a prize. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, the yeah, next one we got here. Okay. Friggin' Brian Hello. Bolivar. Hello, Brian. <laughs> His ears must be ringing. I just, burning. I just hung up on him. Typical. <laughs> oh, he, he's texting me, telling me about his new tactical kilt that he ordered, and I was like, oh, no, my God. And so he's pouting, and now he's calling me. How many mags does it hold? Who cares? It's a, <laughs> it's a kelp. That'll be very okay. airy. Good for a hot day. Uh, the Rocky Mountain 300 is coming up in June. It's 300 plus rounds. Um, you can check it out. It's going to be at the Weld County Fish and Wildlife Range in Eaton, Colorado. And that'll be June 3rd to 5th. Uh, the next one here is from Ryan. The ORA, in conjunction with the NCRRA, is putting on a precision rifle match at the Connaught Range in Ottawa on May 7th and 8th. It'll be shot from 200 to 800 meetings using the DCRA's precision rifle course of fire. For more information on that, go to the ORA website at www.ontarioriflassociation.ca and follow the link at the bottom. Um, We've got a couple of shotgun... uh, uh, events coming up here from Jason. Uh, Kelly, did you want to bring us those? Okay. Shot, shot Shell April opener is April 23rd to 24th. He's also got Ashcroft Cash Creek inaugural shoot. And again, that is April 23rd to 24th. Shoot is limited to 50 shooters. So please use the online pre-registration uh, to get your attendance. Uh, you're going to be putting all of these links in uh, the show notes, right? Yeah, you bet. Yep. Okay. And then he has Shot Shell Cabin Fever uh, Prelim, which is April 29th. And to pre-register, call or email Colin Dixon at 780-524-7952 or shotshell33.cd at gmail.com. Uh, and Wapiti? Wapiti? Is that how yep. you pronounce yep. that, you think? Wapiti. Wapiti Cabin Fever, April 30th to May 1st. And then again, we're going to put all these in the show notes because I'm not saying them aloud. <laughs> Oh, they're all real nasty, like index PHP question Backslash, mark. hashtag, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. got some smileys and some emoticons in there. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's go on to uh, news. So this is uh, this is one that actually a, a listener had uh, forwarded on. I'm just going to read a, a couple paragraphs here. Let me get through it before you guys jump in and go crazy on it. Uh, Detective Sergeant uh, Tamboy is asking the public to come forward with any tips regarding the murder of Clinton uh, Yao Fu of Toronto on October 1st. The 37-year-old was shot once just uh, before midnight with a lever-action Browning BLR short magnum rifle, which the p- police have recovered. Boy described the weapon as high-powered and said it was outfitted with a Bushnell Legend scope and a unique bipod mounted on the front. During the Tuesday afternoon press conference, Boy noted that the unique rifle would likely have been noticed by someone as it isn't popular among hunters who typically don't mount bipods on their guns. <laughs> so there you go. All you hunters that are using bipods, you're cheating. That's very unique and unusual of you. It's a champion bipod. A champion? Not a champion. <laughs> Not a Bass Pro champion bipod. Exactly. Fourteen ninety nine. There you go. Sniper schools everywhere. 
are hand and out champion bipods. Actually, I've mm-hmm. got a champion bipod on my uh, Thompson Center Venture Predator. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a champion bipod too, but I mean, yeah, it's it's funny because the the words they used in here they, they like it's it's all full of hyperbole. Should this this Toronto man was murdered with a high powered sniper rifle from 180 meters? Ooh, it's really far, and it's a high powered sniper rifle. And I look at the picture; it's a BLR, <laughs> a lever action BLR. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't make any other kind. That's when what was, the L stands for, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was saying, well, it was a hundred. It was 180 meters, which isn't very far, but hey. But it was also it was at night, and they were saying he was on the move. He was talking on his cell phone, out. <laughs> so I'm going, yeah, you know. It's a real good shot, actually. <laughs> yeah. At night, you know. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, but so, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's awful and stuff, but it's just the rhetoric, right? Yeah. Yeah, the rhetoric the rhetoric was uh, was interesting. I mean, a, a BLR is like a, a bush rifle. It's not a it's not a sniper rifle by uh, by any means. No. That's according. Uh, it depends who you ask. Any any centerfire rifle with a scope on it's a centerfire rifle. Like, high powered. Yeah, They're all high powered too. Yeah. What would they think about you know somebody with a a, a three thirty eight Lapua and a Candix chassis or a, uh, an MDT chassis? Oh, those are made for shooting down helicopters, I heard. Right. Yeah. They probably wouldn't have left it behind at the scene. That's true, too. No. Why'd they leave this one behind the scene? Because it's a Browning BLR. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Only Mars yeah. would be better than an SKS. But they're still looking for... You know what? The guy The guy was killed, so there's somebody. Yeah, was in, uh, mm-hmm. I think that was in Newfoundland that this happened? No. Was no, it, in it, was, it was in Toronto, but nice. the, New, the Newfoundland King, it, connection is that, uh, yeah, they don't think that he was all on the up and up. So he had told his family that he'd be away out of the country and they traced him to Newfoundland and then he came back and then the gun itself is traced to Montreal. And so they're thinking and they have some pictures from him in Newfoundland. Anyways, it's all over the place. It's like, it's almost like, a, you know, one of those spy stories. Mm. Anyways. Except instead of a instead of a sniper rifle, it's a BLR. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a champion bipod on it. <laughs> yeah. Just remember, listeners, the show is for entertainment purposes only. We're not actually making fun of the death of somebody. No, we're not. <laughs> it's horrible. It is horrible. More making fun of his uh, assassin's uh, choice of equipment. Yeah. 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 Well, it worked. Well, there's yeah. that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'll just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, any other news items? No. No. Not okay, really. Let's, uh, why don't we move on to our main topic then? And joining our show now is Ryan from Highlander Tactical. Ryan, welcome. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. So uh, uh, tell us and uh, the viewers a little bit about uh, the background of uh, Highlander Tactical. Well, I... Uh, I originally started the the company to uh, to have something to fall back on when I uh, left the military or uh, you know got got injured, let's say. Um, so I wanted to do my own thing instead of working for someone uh, um, instead of myself. Uh, so that's why I started my own company, and so far so good. What kind of uh, products do you guys sell? Uh, well, I primarily focus um, on Kydex holsters and accessories. Um, other than that, I have uh, ballistic armor from Gladiator Protective, uh, both helmets and uh, standalone plates. And as well, I have night vision, 
devices and thermal optics. Oh, cool. What, um, uh, You've got like a whole bunch of different sizes for your uh, steel plate. I, I assume you're running uh, AR500 uh, steel uh, plate. You assume wrong. <laughs> oh. uh, these plates are um, made of polyethylene, which are very, very lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, for example, my level three that I usually wear are 3.2 pounds each, wow. um, instead of like eight or ten pounds uh, each for a steel plate. Very lightweight. Um, they are a bit more expensive, uh, but uh, you obviously get what you pay for, and you save a lot of weight. Now, Ryan, are those fragile, as in, like, you don't want to make sure you drop them the wrong way or something? Uh, no, they're not, actually. I had uh, <laughs> I did a military move uh, just a little bit back, and, of course, they don't really care for your stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're throwing my uh, my kit bag around, and and uh, uh, no damage at all. I was, I was quite surprised. Mm. And I've, I've actually uh, actually uh, swam with them. They're uh, semi uh, buoyant. Oh, nice! But I did about 800 meters in the water with uh, the two plates on and my uh, first gear Strandhog. And do you know, Ryan? Since you sell the gear, is it something that you looked into to see which provinces allow and which ones don't allow body armor? Of course, yeah. I'd be stupid not to research that. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't, didn't want to imply anything, that's for sure. But um, So which ones don't? I've heard BC and Nova Scotia, but I've not done the research. So uh, BC, you have to have a body armor permit. Um, and Alberta, is uh, you have to fall into like one of the categories. It's pretty easy. Like If you have a PAL, you fall under the category. Or if you're a police, security, conservation officer, I forget all of them, but it's pretty wide. Mm-hmm. Um, Ontario, there isn't any. And, uh, that's as far as I know, it's pretty, it's a very, um, hard subject to, um, um, uh, to research. So on, Ontario's a no go at all. No, you, no, I meant like, uh, no requirements. You don't need any permits or anything okay. like that. There's no, uh, no ruling on it. Okay. Yeah. I knew of the Alberta one, just if you have a pal, you're good to go kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's like uh, there's a few different categories you can fall under. It's not, you know, most well, people do, especially so, in the shooting community. You already have your pal, basically. So that's what I'm targeting too. Mm-hmm. The the polyethylene is interesting. So I, I guess that wouldn't have the same spalling uh, problems that steel would. Uh, no. So everything's enclosed. Uh, if you go on to Gladiator's uh, YouTube channel, I think they have a demonstration. Mm-hmm. Um, the level three plates are rated to uh, multi-hit 7.62 by 51 full metal jacket at 15 meters. Um, so it's it's pretty impressive stuff. Oh, so you said multi-hit there, so it can yep. take more than more than a couple, and it's still yeah. it's still good to go. Yep, I think uh, uh, one of the guys down in the states they did a torture te- test of them, and he shot like 25 rounds. Obviously, uh, that's not recommended. Like, but I'd say up to five. Hmm. Are they, they? They must be a little bit bulkier than steel, just because they wouldn't be. Yeah, they're, uh, they're about one inch thick, so a ten by twelve by one inch, and uh, they come in single and multi curve, depending on which which plate you get. One inch isn't bad. No, it's actually you. You don't even really notice it because of the because of the weight. And I find when you're running plates, it helps just um, make your carrier more. Uh, more natural because it's not floppy anymore. It's like a hard, you know, that's what I'm used to. Like, um, just like a hard surface. So your mags aren't all scrunched together and just fabric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I did a, I did a, uh, 
carbine class and I did the whole class in these plates and they're about eight hour days. Right. So, and I didn't really notice them even when I like took them off at lunch. I didn't really like, Oh, thank God. Like I wasn't feeling that. I was feeling like, Oh, I was like this, this is crazy. Cause it's not even, uh, um, not even noticeable. Yeah. yeah. We've yeah. got a, we've got a friend of the show who did a, uh, carbine clinic with us down here with daniel shaw and he okay, wore his yeah. he wore his ar 500 plates mm-hmm. and i'm like dude you're almost 40 years old you <laughs> don't wear these every day you honestly think you're going to stand on the gun range for eight hours and run and gun with these things all day and he's like yeah and he did <laughs> to his credit man he can and like i i i'm sure his plate carrier was 30 pounds yeah yeah because it's you're roughly 20 pounds of just plates Yep. Um, well, in, in the city world, you only got five, ten rounds, maybe fifteen. Yeah. And uh, you know that doesn't really weigh that much compared to a thirty-round mag. Exactly. So. Yeah. Now you you also have a level four as well. It looks like. Yeah. So it's both poly. It's both the ceramic and the. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the dual. That's yeah. to get to the special threats. So it's a little bit more expensive. Yeah, they're all they're all <laughs> pricey. Um, yep. But again, Obsolete. it's only four, almost like, four and a half pounds. So yeah, yeah. Again, you can do shots. No, that's cool. Um, so you you mentioned holsters as well. What uh, what kind of pistols do you have? Uh, holster. I don't know. Do, is there like a jig that you need to use to uh, to make them? Do you do you make them yourself, or you just uh, yeah, they're all them? by hand. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what I use is a a special blue gun that I uh, import from the states, mm-hmm. and I uh, mold off of that, and I choose different ways to block out uh, the sight channels or the ejection port and the trigger guard and stuff like that. And I've actually been lucky enough to be uh, mentored by a few guys that have been doing a lot longer than I have in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I have any questions or if I get stuck, you know, especially uh, beginning of the process where I was learning, uh, they really saved me um, a lot of money too, um, which was very nice because everything comes from the States, right? Mm-hmm. Which pistols you are you doing uh, holsters for? So I have the Sig 226. I have the 320, the Glock 1722, uh, Glock 1923, or 32, uh, CZ P09, the SP01 Shadow. It's all on the website. Mm-hmm. I got a lot. Uh, VP9, HK45, FNS9. You know, just just take a look at the website and you'll see all the options. You've got holsters for the FNS. Ooh! Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's ears perked up. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's one of the ones we talk about a lot here, so that is really interesting. Yeah, and uh, I try and I try and get a lot of feedback on uh, what Canadians want, and try and make you know a holster for them because I know some guns it's uh, it's hard to find a holster. Yeah, especially up in here in Canada where we don't have a lot of uh, accessories available. Yeah. So a guy actually contacted me, and he has his Prohib license, and he has a Walther P5. And so I was like, "Well, you can like, you can't really send that gun to me." So I I looked in the states and found a blue gun. So I'm making him an uh, IDPA holster, which is gonna be cool because uh, it's an older gun and you can't find a holster for it. Yeah. What um, what kind of night vision stuff do you have? Um, uh, PVS 14s. Uh, PVS 31s, a PVS 7, so like monocool, um, uh, binoculars, clip-on sights, 
and that sort of thing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with night vision. No, and maybe for our, for our listeners, uh, uh, are these like weapon mounted or so these... the clip on? So the clip ons, um, they're either a, a direct sight um, or um, they go in front of your scope, so your existing scope, um, and then your PVS 14. You can use that as a head mounted, rifle mounted. You can put that in like a digital camera uh, if you're taking uh, photos or whatever. They're, it's pretty versatile. And then the PVS-7s, which is like a dual-to-one, um, which uh, which kind of limit your your uh, depth perception a lot there, but um, they're still good. I think that's what uh, we use the most, either that or the PVS-14s in the Canadian military. Mm-hmm. And uh, my favorite are the PVS-31s, which are the dual tubes, and they can actually... Uh, uh, with the mount that's offered, they can go like flat. So when you flip them up to your helmet, it it uh, makes it more low profile. Oh, cool! So this is like this is stuff you're selling to civilians. That's pretty much the same thing as we're using the military. Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty uh, pretty close. Wow. Yeah. Um, so how, like, how far can you see with some of this stuff at night? It all depends on the the light exposure and the ambient light. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like a couple hundred meters for sure. Depending on your, because I have generation two and generation three. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, yeah. So, um, are, are you into shooting right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, are you into any, uh, any competition or sport? Uh, or? Well, with work and stuff like that, I don't really have that much time, um, to do competitions. I'm going to try and get out and do a few CQB matches and stuff like that this year. Um, but I'm definitely, I definitely like taking courses and, and, uh, stuff like that. Mm hmm. And are you? Uh, uh, this is all just mail order, right? Uh, or do you have a, sh- a shop? Do you do you sell? Locally? Yeah, it's all it's all online sales. I see. Yep. Cool. Yeah, uh, being uh, in the full time military, I don't don't have enough capital to keep a store going or the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, have have you been shooting for a, a, a long time, or or just after you got into the military? Yeah. So I I joined uh, when I was sixteen in two thousand nine. And I've been shooting ever since then. And I actually bought uh, my first AR-15 lower um, and transferred it into my friend's name, and then uh, and got my license at 18 right away. Okay, so, so you've been into it for a while. What uh, oh, yeah. what kind of guns do you have right now? Uh, right now, I have uh, a Sig 226 Enhanced Elite. I have a custom built AR-15 um, that's like valued at like five thousand dollars, I think Oof. now. <laughs> Um, and a custom Remington 870. Very nice. What kind of stuff do you have on your AR-15? Okay, so working at the muzzle back, I have a Surefire muzzle brake, the SOCOM one, which I had to get imported, so that cost a bit more than necessary. Um, the barrel is a Daniel Defense 14.5 hammer forged mid-length gas. I have a BCM uh, gas block, a BCM KMR 13 rail, uh, Magpul, Embus flip-ups, uh, Noveski, uh, like handguard panel, rail panel. The upper receiver is uh, Colt. The lower receiver is an Aero Precision. Yep. Uh, my optic is an Aimpoint T1 with uh, American Defense Mount uh, co-witness. And my... Bolt is a Damaco 
charging handle is a BCM uh, gunfighter. Trigger is a Geisley SSA. And then my grip is a BCM Mod 3, I think. Sweet. Um, I got LMT uh, buffer tube and uh, brought, uh, what B5 enhanced slot mod stock. I think that's, that's awesome. It. Yeah. What kind of... Uh, and then I run uh, a Faro Concepts uh, two-point sling. It's called a Slingster mm-hmm. out of uh, Alberta. I think they're out of Alberta, Calgary. Yeah, interesting. So it's uh, it's a pricey gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're fun though. I mean, uh, do you shoot a service rifle with that? Or are you looking at shooting service rifle with that? Uh, just mainly the CQB. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah. And uh, what, what kind of products are you looking to get into uh, in the future? Or what kind of like direction would you like to the Highlander Tactical to go? I think I'm gonna uh, try and focus on the Kydex. I'm currently, um, well, I'm always trying to um, develop different style of holsters. And I plan on hopefully bringing, uh, bringing in some belts too, some custom belts. Things like battle belts and, and different things like that? Yeah, like an EDC belt like mm-hmm. made out of scuba, gear, uh, scuba webbing and stuff like that. Now, my boyfriend, I just wanted to ask, okay. You can tell me no. Uh, he has – so if somebody wants a custom uh, holster made, okay. can, can you do that? Can I send – or can he send you his gun? Uh, send you a gun, and can you actually do it around that, as long as it's not a prohibited gun? It all depends on what gun. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I have access to the molds, and then I can just uh, mm-hmm. go get a mold get- for it, and that's a lot easier uh, logistic-wise. Um, but, yes, I can – uh, mold off of a real gun. Okay. This is an old Lee Enfield um, pistol, so. Okay. Yeah. yeah probably, probably, it'd that. probably have to be sent to you, right? Yeah. And then you'd have so, to, you'd have to go, go through, uh, uh, temporary ATT. Temporary ATT. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Same as what I did with McClatchy when I gave my FN so he could review. Right. It's called the CFO and they give you a, a form to fill it, email you a form, you fill it, email it back and boom. Yeah. You don't even yeah, need I, I had to do that for, uh, of course, I grabbed a couple rifles off a of buddy um, so that other people had backups. Okay. So how long does it normally take for somebody to get – if something you have online and you have it available and it's not something that's custom-made, how long does it normally take them to – Well, right now, the website's uh, four to eight weeks, mm-hmm. but I th- um, currently can do two to four weeks okay. depending on so- the, the gun and uh, uh, the order and stuff like that. So let's turn it around. Say it's a custom holster for you. How long do you think it normally take? Like I know that you know you're currently in the service and you're doing this basically on the side, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. long nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting the business up and running. Yeah. So, uh, so, so if uh, it's sent to me, um, probably uh, like two weeks, three weeks. Once it gets to oh. me, yeah. But are you okay. are you stocking like some of the common ones, like the Glocks and the CZ Shadows and stuff like no. that, like? No, everything's uh, everything's made to order. order. Okay. Yeah, just simply, uh, it's a lot easier that way, and it's uh, um, less capital going and just sitting on the shelf type of thing. Uh So, Kelly, are you thinking of are you thinking of getting a Kydex holster for like an old Webley or something like that, like an old 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 Enfield? Well, yeah, that's what Kevin was saying. He's like, "Oh, sweet, somebody who can make me a holster." (laughs) (laughs) All right. I really, I really want to do that. That'd be awesome. Or yeah. I really want to do, uh, what was it, like a black powdered pistol. Something crazy. Oh, that'd be cool, <laughs> yeah, too. Just, just something outrageous would be awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see what we can do. I keep, uh, yeah. I keep joking with my coworkers, and I uh, I say I want to get a Tokarev, 
and then I want to mill it out so I can put a, a Trigicon RMR on it. <laughs> that's that's. Um, do you have a SKS rifle with a tactical stock on it too? No, but I'll have to get it once I get that pistol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will. And then get a Norinco shotgun and start shooting three gun. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned the the Tokarev, and I don't think there are Kydex holsters out there no. for those things. That's yeah, fine. It's, it's another rare, uh, another rare gun, uh, rare gun for holsters. Well, there's lots. There's lots of Tokarevs out there. Yeah, it's just there's there there's, there's no, holsters. no holsters for them. Um, but there's no mold for it either. So I'd have to get the real gun and and mold off the real gun. Mm-hmm. What about your common revolvers like the Ruger GP100 and the 686? Yeah, I can do it if um, if there's interest. Yep. Okay. Cool. So if somebody if somebody wants to contact you, they can just do it through the website or on Facebook or. Yeah. So I have uh, my email on the website. I have Facebook, Instagram, and I'm going to launch a YouTube channel very soon. Cool. Yeah, very okay. cool. I'm actually uh, going out to X Metal Targets on this weekend. I Jason. heard they asked me if I wanted to go. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be getting some of their ammo to test. They're a sponsor of my club, and right on, um, they're getting into ammo production, so they're going to be sending some tests. And they're like, "Yeah, April 23rd, Ryan's going to be here. You should come by." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, I got a I got a show this weekend. That mm. gun club is going to be in. Otherwise, that would have been awesome." Yeah. So you're going to go out and do some shooting and some filming with them? Yeah. So I'll do a factory tour in the morning and go to their range in the afternoon. Check out uh, their targets, their ammo. That's wicked. Um, I really, I really was impressed on how their targets work. Oh yeah, they they um, last year they brought a whole array of different targets that they manufacture to put on display at my range during SummerSlam, and it was so awesome because on the last day when the match was done and competitors were waiting for the statistics or the stats to be done and the scores to be posted, they were able to just take their guns and go to that bay and shoot all of X Mental Targets products that they had. Yeah. They gave us a dueling tree to sponsor the match, and this year we're getting one of their really cool plate racks that's actually reversible you can either set them up so they fall over or hook them on the bottom so they swing and they're AR 500 so i can put this rack out at 100 200 300 and just really you know test the accuracy of my air and see if i can hit these plates you don't have to walk down 300 meters to reset them because they just flip in the wind right exactly oh, that's so nice yeah you'll nice. still be uh you'll see a few videos for sure of uh, me ripping the steel <laughs> so we're getting the um the hostage target this year that's rated for i don't know up to 300 wind mag or something like that huh. yeah does it fit in your car it will no you're not you're flying so does it fit in matthew's car oh they're gonna deliver it it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be here in time for the steel challenge along with our new plate rack no i'm talking about bringing you it to want, the charity oh no no <laughs> it might not come back <laughs> I know. Yeah, speaking of charity shoot, Ryan's uh, graciously donated a prize for it as well. So, and you're also coming, aren't you? Ryan? Yeah, yeah, I should. Awesome. Should be. I really want to. Yeah, that'd be great. We have some uh, people that uh, will be happy to, and some lucky winner will get the prize as well. Yeah. So maybe set no, Kevin can set up a booth. I'll have yeah. plates and stuff like that out there, and oh, that's cool. Yeah. So because it's a yeah. uh, it's it's very. Uh, it's very weird when you pick up a a, a gladiator plate mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my god, this is so light. Like, cause mm-hmm. you know you're used to steel plates because everyone usually has steel because they're uh, uh, cheaper and mm-hmm. um, they're heavy. But when you pick up mm-hmm. a gladiator plate, it's like, wow, 
you know, I can actually wear this comfortably. Yeah. What about, uh, so what about the, the thermal factor of it? Are they really hot to wear? Well, you know, they are plates. You're going to yeah. sweat. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just, that's just something you're going to have to get used to. Uh, mm-hmm. but depending on what carrier you're wearing, there could be, uh, like an integrated ventilation or, uh, mm-hmm. something just to give it a little bit more airflow. Um, but so you're going to bring some uh, some holsters and mag pouches to the charity shoot as well. Yeah, I should have like a good display going if I have the the space and room. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, <laughs> we'll see what we can get you. But um, you will actually you'll have a you'll have a spot. We'll set you up a little area as well to look at it. I think that a lot of people is the fact that the customs, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the bit of it, yeah. Some and then go ahead. Some stuff uh, like some custom stuff like. Um, People just have like um, crazy ideas, and yeah. sometimes they're not even possible to do. Or and field revolvers, much. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, hey. no, no, I was thinking like a four four mag uh, AR mags and all in one package. Like oh, that'd be cool. And I, no, I was like, this is gonna go all the way around your back. Like this is not gonna be comfortable at all. Yeah, like just mm-hmm. some stuff. Like just. I usually have to, uh, you know, bring them back to reality. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, um, I want to uh, uh, thank you again for being on, and I'll be sure to put your links into the uh, show notes when the when the show gets published out there so that people know where they can find you. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for uh, coming on the show, Ryan. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. All right, why don't we jump into uh, listener feedback now. This first one's from Will, and it says, In the Canadian Charter, we have provisions to protect minorities. Is it possible for gun owners to become a protected group? Thanks. Love the show. I don't think we quite meet the constitutional definition of a minority group. We We are a small group of people. That doesn't make us a minority. I don't think so. So... No, probably not. Uh, Kelly, did you want to take this next one from Jim? Sure. Hello, peoples inside the radio. As always, nothing good, nothing but good stuff to say about Slamfire. Great podcast. Thanks for the tips on the concealment issue. I took your advice on the uh, CCW holster, sort of. If the pants fell down with one Ruger SR9C on one side, you're right. Just add a, a python to the other side and your pants fit like a champ. Use a second firearm to fill the loose space. Because if two is one, one is none. And if that's not a good reason, then because America. <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I always hear, I always hear, because it is one, one is not. I love how the next part says off air to Trevor, yet it got put into the show. <laughs> we will. Adriel, don't put this That's on right. the air. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I, I answered. Read it. See, I stopped at that point. That was good. Is it still in the inbox? Because I'll have to address it. I don't think I actually replied to him yet. Uh, no, I archived it. Okay, well, unarchive it because it won't get done. All right. Or forward it to me or something. Or I'll, or I'll, I'm going to forget. Trevor, why don't you take the next one from Will here? All right. Will says, I was listening to an old episode in which Trevor expressed an interest in the always classic M1 carbine. He claimed he had a line on a restricted version. Well, I'll one-up you. Auto Ordnance makes a non-restricted 18.5-inch barrel M1 that comes in either the paratrooper folding stock or classic walnut. The ultimate gopher getter for roughly 900 bucks. 
Thanks for the hours of entertainment, Will. P.S. There's a pistol version floating around the states somewhere. Boy, do I hope those mags are clearly marked. <laughs> P.P.S.S. Oh, my God, that's going to make Matthew's mind melt because that's not how you do a postscript. <laughs> there are black plastic stocks out there for them if the wood gun safe gets too full. <laughs> the wood gun safe is full right now. I'm a little upset. I actually had to take one out and just put a trigger lock on it and throw it in a corner. Yeah, my wood gun safe is full. But in fairness, there is my Thompson Center Venture Predator down there, which is a not a wood gun, but it's camo. So, it, yeah, it's still considered second class citizen. And <laughs> resides in the spare bedroom. It's not so, black. It's not black, no. Um, now, are these auto ordnance newly manufactured M1 carbine clones? Because I'd kind of like a Springfield Armory original kind of go with the grand but i don't know you guys know anything about the auto ordinance one no i'm not really i'm not really into uh m1 carbines because i just like 30 30 carbine is uh is dang near the same price as uh it's more expensive stuff so i just never got into it mm. Maybe. cool yep filthy will know i will ask filthy Mm-hmm. All right. Who's got the novel from Spencer the Whale? I'll, I'll bite the bullet. Uh, from Spencer. <laughs> it's really long. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's as long as Spencer is tall. There we go. Uh, it's been a while, but I just expanded my family of FN pistols last weekend, and I thought I'd send a pic of the new arrival along with a quick review. It's the FNX 45 tactical model, which I guess only comes in what they call flat dark earth, but which I'd say more looks like one of those bronze colors people are using on their ARs these days. It holds 15 rounds of 45 ACP, plus one in the chamber, and as you can see in the picture, it's hammer-fired, unlike my other FNS pistols. So that's the FNX versus the FNS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does have the same ambidextrous controls as the uh, FNS series, and the same aggressive texture on the grip. So podcasters with delicate hands should probably stay away from this model as well. <laughs> and those same Ooh. podcasters wear skirts. <laughs> yeah, they do, don't they? they? Do. Mm-hmm. Delicate hands, and he wears a skirt. You know who you are. If you don't, Trevor hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, it's very different than the FNS line of pistols. The first, th- first thing you noticed is that it's much bigger just like a Glock 21 in 45 ACP has to be larger than a Glock 17 in 9mm. It still has the same form and shape and is instantly recognizable as an FN, just bigger. Another difference is that it's single-action-slash-double-action trigger system instead of striker-fired. You can carry it cocked and locked, like a 1911, and the thumb safety or push the safety all the way down, which decocks it and safely drops your hammer so you can carry it in traditional double-action mode. The trigger in SA mode is the exact opposite of the glass rod that you always hear about. After taking up a little bit of slack, it's perfectly smooth until the hammer drops. There's never really that feeling of hitting a wall and knowing that the sear is about to release. I know this sounds bad, but in reality, it's the perfect surprise break everyone is always trying to achieve. It's The, sa- uh, the same is true in double action. The trigger pull is long, of course, but there is absolutely no variation in the pull weight until the hammer drops. It's probably one of the most unique triggers I've ever shot, but once you get used to it, it's also one of the best. 
On the other side, uh, after taking the shot, the reset is even more pronounced than a Glock and is very short. You can shoot this pistol really fast, and the size, weight, and grip all help keep it very flat and on target. As you can see in the picture, it comes set up for a suppressor with the threaded barrel and suppressor height sights. Those are actually night sights, and FN differentiates the front sight with a green color, while the rear sights are distinctly orange. The rear sights are also flat on the front, so you can easily use something to rack the slide one-handed. And since this isn't a Glock, they aren't plastic. It works really well with a suppressor attached with very little blowback of gas and no loss of accuracy. In fact, while this is probably the most accurate of all my FNs, it actually seems to shoot a little better with the can on. The kit it comes with is impressive as well. First of all, it comes with three magazines, which is nice since they're so hard to find and definitely pricey. It also comes with four adjustable backstrap panels in different sizes, and the tools, screws, and adapter plates to mount a red dot in the area already milled out for one on the slide. There's also all the manuals and a safety lock and such, all packed into a very nicely zippered nylon case. This was a used gun with a pretty low round count. These things are ridiculously expensive, right around 1500 US, so I've been waiting to, uh, for one to go by at a reasonable price on the used market, and finally found this one after more than two years of looking. So that's my new toy for now. Keep up the great work, and Trevor, how about an update on the Garand? Okay. Um, I had it out just yesterday, actually, because I almost um, made a deal this week for a second Garand. There's a guy on CGN who has a Garand build. Uh, it's on a Beretta receiver, also an Italian receiver. There was the Beretta and the Beretta, um, both made in Italy. Um, so this one is the Beretta receiver. Not the Beretta. Anyway, doesn't matter. What was cool about this Grand was it had original, brand new, old stock Springfield Armory bolt and Springfield Armory barrel. Imagine an original, unused, brand new, old stock Springfield Armory Grand barrel. I wanted it simply for that barrel. I thought I can buy this Grand, or I offered him a trade, actually, that he was willing to accept, and I'll take the um, new Springfield bolt the new Springfield barrel, and get them mounted into my receiver. Well, actually, since this receiver is not really very different from mine, I'll leave them in that receiver. I'll take all the other Springfield parts off of mine. I'll take the Boyd stock off of mine. And, yes, I'll have that much more of a Springfield rifle. And I had mine out last night, and I'm like, you know what? I like my Citron barrel. Sure, it's not a Springfield Armory barrel, but it's a newly manufactured barrel with probably better tolerances, better you know better manufacturing processes it's reasonably accurate for the, the little bit of shooting that I've done with it and and I was what I was going to do was take the two guns and build one with the preferred parts and I talked to the guy who built the gun the same gunsmith who filthy hooked me up with who currently is accurizing my M305 and I asked him can we take this Springfield barrel off of the receiver that it's on and put it on a Springfield receiver when I finally track one down? Um, and can we head space it over again? Is this going to be an issue? And his reply did not instill much confidence. His reply was simply this. All we can do is try. No. <laughs> when we're talking this much money, uh, I need to know that I can remove this barrel and put it on another receiver 
and it's not going to blow up that we can get the head spacing correct this that and the other thing but it's not that easy it's it's you you literally as far as i understand you won't know until you get it on and it may not in fact work so i thought and the stock was very ugly the stock was a uh, a greek stock maybe or anyway the stock was not a Springfield stock, and it was kind of slightly different proportions than the Springfield stocks. And I just the plan was strip the parts off I want, have two grants, and I was going to sell the one I didn't want with the with the Citron barrel and the ugly stock, um, and any parts that weren't Springfield to Snuffleupagus because he doesn't have a grant yet. But I was giving up my VZ58 with the Air 15 Magwell and all the Fab Defense parts that I put on it. It's got the Fab Defense handguard and their version of the AFG that Magpul makes, Fab Defense stock, cheek riser. I was like, oh, I was probably into the gun for 13, maybe 14, and he only wanted 12 for the grand. And I know I can buy a VZ any, to replace it anytime. They're not making grands anymore. But in the end, I might still be able to make this deal. So what do you guys think? You think this is a good deal? Is it worth getting rid of my VZ so that I can basically have? And this gun hasn't been fired yet. Is it worth mm. getting rid of my VZ so that I can get a brand new old stock Springfield Armory bolt and barrel? I don't think it is, but if you do get it, I want your stock because <laughs> <laughs> my stock's even uglier. I got one of those Choet uh, synthetic stocks on mine. Oh God, no, 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 oh. no, no! Stuffleupagus wouldn't accept that. Mm-hmm. So. All right, so Adriel wants me to do the deal so he can get a stock out of it. Yeah. Kelly, what do you think? I think it's a bad deal otherwise, yeah. but I want you to do it so I get the stock. Okay, but if it wasn't about the stock, you wouldn't want me to do the deal. No, you've got a you've, your barrel is new, mm-hmm. but it's not um, a Springfield. The bolt is bolt. It's not a Springfield. No. My bolt is Springfield. My trigger group is Springfield. My op rod is Springfield. I don't know about my sights necessarily. You really want it, don't you? No, kinda, but you know. Well, are you? Are you going to have buyer? Think about it. Are you going to have buyer's remorse after you buy it? Well, I'll I'll be up one grand with a Springfield barrel and down one VZ non-restricted two two three rifle that uh, is essentially a trunk gun around here because it's non-restricted and because it's two two three, it can stay in my car all year. <laughs> it's actually not in my car, but technically it's my trunk gun <laughs> that's not in the trunk. So mm, yeah, I don't know. It would take me a long time to replace the VZ. Yeah, and I hear that not all VZs are working with those um, Magwell adapters, and mine is. So, mm. and I mean, I held I held my grand last night. You know, and we had a little chat, and I was caressing it and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, "No, baby, you're fine. You don't need to lose weight. I love you the way you are." So, there's the update for you, um, Spencer. Haven't shot it much, to be perfectly honest. With the grand plug or without the grand plug, the grand gear plug, um, so a little uh, item that um, Spencer turned me on to. We got a couple for me and I think Filthy and listener Kyle. The grand, and there's a really awesome video that Ian from Forgotten Weapons and his partner, I don't mean partner like that, I mean they work together, um, put out recently about... Well, do you really know that? That's right. true, Kelly. I don't. And it's really, it's, it's cool either way. I mean, you know. It's 2016. That's right. Come on. Yeah. So Anyways, okay. they've got high-speed video of a Garand being shot with original M2 or M1 ball ammo, 30-06 ammo that was made for the Garand back in the day. And then they have high-speed video of the Garand being shot with Hornady Superformance ammunition. The gas system on the Garand is not large enough as far as volume is concerned 
to bleed off the excess gas fast enough before the gas system, the op-rod, is overpressured. So the op-rod comes slamming back much faster and harder than it should and eventually bends and causes problems. And op-rods, they don't make them anymore. They're hard to find. So it was amazing to see this high-speed video of the two ammunitions. The adjustable gas plugs or the Garand gear plug, what the adjustable gas plugs do is they have a set screw that has a hole drilled in it. It's basically an aperture that goes in the front of the gas plug, and it allows extra gas to bleed off that way. So what you do is you start off with the um, largest one, and you work your way down. Or do you start with the smallest one? Yeah, you start with the smallest one, and you work your way down until the rifle won't cycle anymore, and then you go back one. And that's the one that's going to bleed off the extra gas and not damage the rifle. The Garand gear plug, what it does is it's essentially shorter, so it increases the internal volume of the gas cylinder by about 30%. So you're not giving the extra gas anywhere to go. You're just giving it more room within the cylinder. So it allows you to use modern ammunition in your Garand. Um, when I just need to go shoot the Garand, I don't have any reloads made up. I just go by Win- uh, Remington Corelock, and that uh, that cycles the gun, and it's not it's 150 grain, and it's not hot, but I throw the Garand gear plug in. Anyway, just you should, you should, because yeah. I've I've shot that cor- I shot that core lock or tried to shoot that core lock and it rips it out too fast. You fine? Okay. Well, oh yeah, just um, with with no plug in there. Okay. Wow. So, um, I, yeah, like you said though, I keep it in there just to be on the safe side because that is a um, Springfield Armory uh, um, op rod in there. Rod. Yeah. yeah. No, don't so, want to risk that. No, exactly. So. So, Adriel. Yeah. What does uh, Spencer have to say? Sorry, did I cut you off? Oh, no. No, no, no. He continues. Yeah. (laughs) I'm almost as long-winded as he is. I've actually got a Playmate for mine on the way. A 1903 Springfield in the A4 Vietnam Sniper configuration. That way, I can leverage my 30-odd-6 investment, and those Springfields will shoot anything. That'll also finish my half-assed collection of U.S. military rifles and pistols from the 20th century, at least until I hit the lottery and can afford a real M16. Wow. Take care, y'all. Spencer from Smyrna. Uh, Spencer continues. P.S. On a completely different topic, rather than my usual bourbon or rye last weekend, I decided to branch out a little bit and try some single malt scotch. I ended up with a bottle of Laprag and, oh, I butchered that, but that's all right. And all I can say is, really? Is this supposed to be good? Take those little cakes that you see in the urinal in public men's rooms. Now take their smell and make that into something that you taste. Now take that taste (laughs) and use it to ruin perfectly good whiskey. Why would you do that? I don't know, but that's what some people in some place call Islay seem to have done here. I've had blended scotch before, and it seemed pretty bland. This certainly wasn't bland, uh, but I'm just not seeing the attraction. Maybe it pairs really well with sheep's stomach. I'm hoping one of your scotch drinkers can explain what I'm missing here. Well, so much for multiculturalism. It's back to good, old-fashioned American whiskeys for me. They may not be as world-renowned as scotch, but at least there's no cleaning products involved. Jeez. Um, My take on it is that uh, you started with a pretty uh, complex scotch. Um, There are essentially beginner scotches out there that are less peaty, not as strong, they don't have quite the nose that something like that has, and you have to 
graduate yourself or acclimate yourself, if you will, to a scotch like that. Scotch is an acquired taste no matter what. But, you know, and it's like you've got the cheap scotch, which tastes like squill. And then somebody tries an expensive scotch, and they think that tastes like squill. But it's an acquired taste, and, and once you develop a palate for scotch, you're going to hate yourself because it gets very expensive. I remember the first time I had a glass of Lagavulin. I thought it was – I thought I stuck my face into a peat bog and swallowed. Um, but now it's absolutely my preferred. It is amazing. But I, the first time I had a glass, I had already been drinking different kinds of scotches throughout the years, and I thought it was too strong. And now it's like, if it's not Lagavulin, it's crap. So. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, you're a scotch drinker. Yeah, a little bit. I drink the Bomer, and I actually like it. I have a captain. So, yeah, it is peaty, though. Mm-hmm. It's an acquired taste because, yeah, if I gave it to anybody and said, here, drink this, they'll go. Yeah, but – yeah. You'll you'll take it and go, oh yeah. That's yeah. yeah. And yeah, sorry, but I drink mine neat. I not cold, just it's supposed to warm you up. It's not supposed to cold. Don't water it down. Don't put any water in it or ice cream. Yes, with that one. Now there are some and I've learned mm-hmm. I've learned this trick from ten X. Some scotches, if you just add a drop or two of water, good water, not crappy tap water, it will actually Work with the scotch. Yeah, it will work with the scotch to release some of the aromas and flavors and get things kind of going. Uh, I won't put water in it like a lot. I won't put ice cubes. For God's sakes, that's blasphemy. But I will use whiskey stones because I, I keep it room temperature. I don't keep my scotch in the fridge. Scotch is in the liquor cabinet. Um, but I, I do like to chill it a little bit with some whiskey stones, but not all of them. So every scotch should be treated a little bit differently. The one that um, I'm not a blended guy. I'm a single malt guy, but 10X put me onto a blended once. And I think he brought me a bottle last time he was here. And this was one that when you dropped a little bit of water into it, I mean, you you basically stuck the water into a glass or stuck a, stuck a spoon into a glass of water and then let a couple of drops come off of the spoon. That's how you watered it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Adriel, he just drinks um, vodka coolers. <laughs> like Smirnoff Ice. That's so. No, I drink uh, McCulloch, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the sil- silver box. It's right around 40 bucks a bottle, I guess. And uh, I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Canadian Club. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. a great rye. It's not oh. like. I love CC over Crown because I find Crown is a little sweet. CC is a dr- kind of a dry rye whiskey. CC, like that, they've used the same recipe for uh, since when? 1873? It used to be like that was a world renowned uh, whiskey that you would, you know, that would, that was exported. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, I don't know. I like that stuff. That's kind of like, kind of like Glenfiddich. Glenfiddich's been on the same property using the same body of water, the same river for, yeah. Ever? Going back to the 1800s as well. Yeah. So, and I'm very fortunate. My local liquor store has a nice selection of Glenfiddich all the way up to the 18. Mm. Oh, yeah. Really? It's good. Knows like a vula, know the commie bastards, but. <laughs> you can request. Oh, uh, you're right. I can. They can, yeah. they can start bringing it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they know somebody's going to buy it. Yeah. I can get it across. Now, now, Trevor, everybody's going to want it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> FN. Next. I know. Next week, everybody's going to write in and go, oh, my God, Lagavulin, where have you been my whole life? So so there I was with my bottle of Lagavulin and my FN, and the cops showed up. 
Yeah. Uh, Trevor, why don't you take the next uh, listener right in here? All right, from Mark. He says, hello, everyone. Five reasons why Matthew shouldn't quit the show again. Well, it's too late, obviously. <laughs> Maybe we should have read this uh, before tonight. Anyway, whatever, he's gone. Um, number five, they need someone who can count past potato. Kelly can count past potato. You can go all the way to turnip, can't you, Kelly? You betcha. See? Number four, who it's are going to correct Email from Lissonur. I think, yeah. Okay. Next. Um, three. They need to balance Trevor's boring archery talk with Matthew's boring flying talk. Hmm. Kelly, you'll have to find something to counteract my archery talk. Two. Who else is going to tell us his exciting tales of armed hiking? Adriel? Please. He shoots stuff. <laughs> and the number one reason why Matthew McClatchy shouldn't quit the show again... Only Matthew knows when to cut Trevor off and when to let him keep digging. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Kelly, you saved mm. I tried. Yeah. I tried yeah. at one point there. You have saved I me did. for myself a couple of times. Uh, Mark continues. He says, I also have a shout-out for Owen. Thanks for making it through the <laughs> through your time on the show without finishing your bio. Almost <laughs> three years, turnip herder. <laughs> That's true. He never did get to his bio. Mm. Keep up the great work, guys and gal. Mark Price. P.S. I'm good with just 200 rounds of 9 mil for Christmas. <laughs> well, thanks, Mark. It's important to not be greedy. Uh, now everybody wants Christmas. Christmas <laughs> ammo, yeah. Yeah. Well, if anybody else would like to email the show, please do so at slamfireradio at gmail.com. And we have one iTunes review here. Kelly, I don't know if you've read any of these. Why don't you uh, read the iTunes review? Hold it. Here? Hold it. Yeah. What? Thank you, okay. Stacy, for sending it in. Yes. She did. She did. She always remembers to mm-hmm. check all of our iTunes. She's the awesomest. Mm-hmm. She's a great admin. She's checking 12 of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you thought she was only... Okay. So, keep up... It It says, keep up the good work. I've been listening to you guys since episode 9 of the Canadian Radio. You guys got me so good with the April Pay announcement that after six of listening... Six, six. of listening? Okay. I finally loaded iTunes to give you five stars. Keep up the great podcast. So, but it doesn't actually say who it is. So it was there. The the uh, I thought I saw in the email the person's name. No. Mm, yeah, they got a. Yeah, maybe. no. What? Yeah, maybe I just didn't get over. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So whoever it is, thanks for the uh, the item. You know who you are. You know who you are, and thank you. You're special. Yeah, she's gonna say. Excellent. Uh, I think that April Fool's show was perfect. It, it, I think it was. Just yeah. Awesome. Well done. Yeah. Uh, if you want to leave us an iTunes review, please do. Uh, go on to iTunes, leave a five-star rating for us on the Canadian, U.S., Australian, or any of the other countries' feeds. Uh, make it funny, and you'll probably hear it on the show. Right now we have 125 five-star reviews, 97 from Canada, 27 from the U.S., and one from Australia. Do you find folks have any shout-outs? I do. Kelly, do you? Uh, maybe. All right. Well, I guess I'll go ahead then since you're uh, stuck. Um, to uh, Siphon, the guy with the Garan, his uh, CGN name is Siphon. Um, he uh, turns out he's actually a listener. I got his email from him to send him some pictures of my VZ. He's like, Trevor F., is this the same Trevor F. from the podcast? I was like, oh, no way. Yeah, so he's been listening, I think, uh, going all the way back to CGN, or CGN, CRR. So, Siphon, 
thanks for listening and thanks for uh, uh, you know entertaining my offer on that grant. Um, I'm kicking myself, kind of, sort of. Well, now that his username is out there, mm-hmm. so he'll scoop you. Yeah, go look up Siphon if you want to buy a really cool grand with new old stock parts. Cool. No, you got to buy it so I can get the stock. I understand. <laughs> I can't believe you have a grand with some synthetic stock. I bought it like that. Been too lazy. <laughs> Should have put a Boyd's on it by now. Yeah. Uh, I've got a shout out for everyone that, uh, you know, we, sh- we shared that live stream on uh, um, Slamfire's Facebook and uh, a whole bunch of people joined and uh, it was a great peanut gallery. So thank you for everyone who, uh, who joined into the live chat and uh, told me to use a bigger hammer. Yeah. No, <laughs> vice grips. And Thor's vice grips. hammer. Yeah, Thor's hammer. That was funny when he pulled that thing out. I was like, does Thor know you have his hammer? <laughs> it was huge. That's what Bang. she said. Yeah. <laughs> and literally, I did. Exactly. <laughs> wow, it's like we're heckling them again. <laughs> yeah, and I also have one. Actually, I actually have a couple. So I have one for Rick. Uh, Rick, you know, ketchup and mustard. Remember that? And also, I have one for Matt. And Matt. It- cool. Okay. Um, so just to uh, to kind of close things off here, please join one of our national firearms associations like the CCFR or the CSSA. It's important to uh, support those organizations. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. Uh, we've got a forum there where you can contribute and chat about our shows and uh, like us on Facebook. You can do the same thing over there, and there's always a – Good-hearted debate on uh, on our shows whenever we post them up. Uh, so far, we're at 1,413 likes, 95 thumbs up, five gold stars, and two flukes. Any last uh, thoughts? I was wondering if we were going to get a... I think no, Wales only have only two. Two to give, yeah. yeah. He's only got two. Yeah. Okay. Gotta find another whale. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, right. say goodnight. Goodnight. Wait. Goodnight. Goodnight, Kelly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good night, Matthew. Oh, yeah. Good night. We're going to miss you. So long. Farewell. Ta ta. Thanks for all the fish. I love that movie. <laughs> so, if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now, go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over. Time to get a gun